Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD and boredom. Is boredom good or not so good? Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help. Make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying Uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we can introduce us to their guest. Jeff, our guest today is Dr. John D. Eastwood. Dr. Eastwood is well known for his research into the intersection between cognition and emotion. He received his PhD from the University of Waterloo, Ontario, and is currently a clinical psychologist and an associate professor of psychology at York University in Ontario. Dr. Eastwood has particular expertise on the subject of boredom. He has received funding from the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council of Canada to explore the cognitive mechanisms behind their experience of boredom. He is also the co-author of the popular book, Out of My Skull, The Psychology of Boredom. This book offers insight on how to engage with boredom so it does not negatively affect our lives. Dr. Eastwood is also principal investigator at the Boredom Lab, which is a group of researchers based at York University. He is widely published in many peer-reviewed journals. Dr. Eastwood trains future psychologists at York University, and in his capacity as a clinician, Dr. Eastwood treats people dealing with anxiety, depression, and relationship issues. Jeff, we're very happy to welcome Dr. John Eastwood. Dr. Eastwood, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here. I'm thrilled to have you on. We've had you on one time before. It was very, very enlightening. Um, for our audience out there, I've done a couple shows in the past on boredom. 
kind of what it is, a little bit of the ADD side of it. And I ran into Dr. Eastwood a couple of years ago. It's like one of those things where uh, Dr. Ari Tuckman, who's a familiar been on the show a lot who referred me to somebody referred me to somebody who got me to Dr. Eastwood and he spends a lot of time on the intersection of cognition and emotions and I've learned so much from him in such little time um, he actually is actually an expert on the subject of boredom so the idea today is to have everybody back and, and, and talk about boredom and emotions and his perspective so can you tell us a little bit about your background in boredom and um, you know cognition and emotion we'll kind of go from there yeah, sure. So as you said, I'm really interested in how our thinking and our feeling interrelate and how thinking actually feels like something, right? It feels like mm-hmm. something to think a certain way, and those feelings can impact and change uh, the way our mind works. And so, you know, I, I kind of wear two hats. I'm a clinical psychologist, and so I've become interested in boredom from my clinical work, and then I'm also a cognitive scientist, and I, you know, as I study the way our mind works and the way we think. And so that's – these are two different pathways that brought me to study boredom. <laughs> All right, so can you update – what is boredom? Like from your perspective and the research that that – let's start with what that is, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. So I would define boredom as the state of wanting but being unable to engage in satisfying activity. So, you know, when we're bored, our mind is unengaged and we're caught in a, what I call a desire bind, where we both desperately want to be doing something, but don't want to be doing anything that's available at the moment. So it could be said that at its roots, boredom is a crisis of self-determination. And simply put, this just means that we're not engaged in activity that flows from and that gives expression to our desires and our capabilities. It's, it's almost like, you know, in that moment, we've become like a passive object. We're not offering mm-hmm. our lives. And I think it's really important to recognize that boredom is not simply just the absence of things to do. It's that inability to want to do anything that's available at that time but still strongly be looking for something to do. Interesting. So uh, this is this is a great opportunity because you're an expert. You get to kind of like say I'm doing this right or wrong. But when I'm working with people with ADHD, I, I talk about boredom as the physical discomfort, like you're physically uncomfortable where you just want to escape, and like you'll mm-hmm. do anything kind of to escape that. And so a lot of times, people with ADHD they'll self-medicate or they'll kind of get in trouble to kind of do that. And, Another way I describe it is if you go to the zoo and that, that lion is like pacing the cage. They're so bored. They're going back and they're just getting rid of that energy. And I've had a lot of people really identify with that physical discomfort. And I think there's a little bit of an emotional component to kind of escape. Your thoughts on that? Or, and if, if, I'm, if I'm going the wrong direction, please help me out because I'm, I'm anxious to learn here. But it, it, that physical uncomfort I think a lot of people with ADHD can kind of identify with. Absolutely. It's a very, it's a, it's a physically uncomfortable state. And as you said, it can involve kind of uh, restlessness and then Mm -hmm. lethargy. So sometimes it's like going back and forth between these moments of like, ah, like lying passively on the ground, nothing to do, and then restlessly pacing back and forth. And so it's like a jumble of energy level, but it is very much an uncomfortable feeling. It's something that we don't like. And because we don't like it, as you said, we often engage in all kinds of activities to try to make the feeling go away. And I think this, you know, 
really is the critical thing to understand that, you know, how we respond to boredom is so critical to whether or not boredom is going to have a positive role or a negative role in our life. That's interesting. How we respond is a positive or a negative. Talk yeah. to us about that. So sometimes, well, sometimes when, you know, um, people hear that I study boredom, one of the questions that often comes up is like, is boredom good or is boredom bad? And, you know, like sneak preview or the final answer is, well, it depends, you know, and it depends on us and how we respond to boredom. So because boredom feels bad, sometimes we just look for the quickest way to make the feeling go away, or we try to stimulate ourselves or somehow become more uh, entertained. And those kinds of solutions are not necessarily going to lead to last a lasting solution. So one of the things that you could think about is that all feelings are there to help us. Feelings mm-hmm. are giving us information. They're telling us what's happening in our life. So if we feel sad, it tells us we've lost something that's of importance to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we're afraid, it tells us we're in danger. Well, so boredom tells us that we're not authoring our lives. We're not being self-determined. And it feels uncomfortable, and so it gets our attention, and it motivates us to rectify that problem. So, you know, you could say, well, it's a good thing that being in pain feels uncomfortable, right? So yes. uh, there are congenital conditions where people can't feel physical pain. And because they can't feel physical pain, they can do great damage to their body without be, being aware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we should try to be in pain, right? It doesn't mean we should seek out opportunities to harm our bodies. But it does mean that the fact that pain feels bad is good because it gets our attention and motivates us to make a change. So similarly... It's a good thing that boredom feels bad because it gets our attention. It tells us that at this moment we're not authoring our lives, we're not being self-determined, and it motivates us to fix the problem. So this is interesting because it depends on how you respond to that, if it's a good thing or a bad thing. We, mm-hmm. Our audience base very much has ADHD, and I find a lot of times when they are bored, they are escaping to things that might be like social media or video games or I'm going to call them kind of self-medicating behaviors to feel good in that moment. So long-term, mm-hmm. that, 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 that relationship between those two can be at, uh, at disadvantage, uh, can be a problem. Um, right? Is that, I mean, Mm. the the idea is to be conscious of this? Absolutely. So I would say that, you know, there's, there's a time and a place for entertainment, right? Or, you know, you feel bored and you say, well, let me put on the radio or watch something on YouTube. There's a time and place for that. But, you know, as soon as the video is over, then that feeling creeps back in. And I call this kind of like the empty bucket framing of the problem where we like when we're bored we might say well the problem is I need to be entertained I need to be stimulated Um, and it treats us it frames the problem like we just need to consume something exciting and that will work in the short term but in the long term the message we need we need to hear from boredom is kind of reclaim your life become self-determined 
So what we need to do is look for the opportunity to give expression to our passions, our interests, our abilities, mm-hmm. uh, foster our curiosity, and then, you know, that, that will give us a more long-term, lasting solution. So rather than simply putting a Band-Aid on the feeling, we can kind of actually identify the underlying issue and become more self-determined. Wow. This is great. Uh, I got a flood of stuff kind of coming. I tell you what, let's go to break because I got a, I need a little bit of a runway for the, the next part of it. I want to kind of transition to the more how boredom can actually maybe be positive. Uh, before we go to break, everybody, uh, please check out Dr. Eastwood's uh, book, Out of My Skull, The Psychology of Boredom. You can find that on Amazon. Again, it's Dr. Uh, John Eastwood, Out of My Skull, The Psychology of Boredom. Our secret word tonight is boredom. Um, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are having a great conversation with uh, Dr. John Eastwood. The topic is boredom and cognition and feelings. And I do want to relate this. If you're a listener of ours, I talk a lot about executive functioning. And we talk about emotional regulation as an executive function, self-awareness as as a executive function, self-restraint, and all these things. So we're talking about boredom stuff, but we can relate this back to a whole lot of shows that we have done in the past. Um, before the break, we were talking about is boredom a good thing or a bad thing and, and basically how we respond to it. It can be negative, but what's a positive way or how could it be positive in our life, having boredom in our life or dealing with it? Yeah, well, one way you could think about this is um, we could ask ourselves, is it good to be in potentially boring situations without succumbing to boredom? So if we're in a situation that is maybe quiet or less stimulating or there's less going on, that often leads to boredom. And mm-hmm. then we become kind of, you know, emotionally, um, uh, you know, preoccupied with that feeling of boredom and it can then lead us to do some things to try to make the bad feeling go away right away. But there's an alternative, right? When we're in a understimulating environment, it gives us the opportunity to turn inward and to engage in some self-reflection. You know, like, who am I? What do I care about? What matters to me? What am I good at? Uh, a psychologist, Imerdino Yang, talked about, used this uh, concept of constructive internal reflection. And constructive internal reflection is when we turn inward in that way that I just described and engage in some really important self-reflection, self-discovery. And if we're um, able to 
do that in a potentially boring situation, then we won't be bored because our mind will become occupied with our internal thoughts, our daydream, our self-reflection. So, and, and the benefit of that, in addition to not being bored because now we're engaged mm-hmm. with our inner thoughts, the advantage is we can gain some self-awareness and some self-understanding. And that might even help us then figure out how to engage in the world in a more successful way. Uh, it might give us some insight about who we are or what matters to us. And so that might be one way to think about a potential uh, advantage. Hmm. Or, and, and, but I'm trying to use my words very carefully here because it's not an advantage of being bored per se, but it's an advantage of being in a situation that might typically lead to boredom, but I'm going to sidestep the boredom by getting lost in my internal thoughts. So, so this sounds – I'm thinking – one, it's effortful to do this. Number two, it's a, it's a little bit of an act of mindfulness, potentially. Mm-hmm. That, can you speak mm-hmm. to that? Absolutely. And I, and I want to be clear that this is not necessarily an easy thing to do. Um, but I think like most things in life, uh, it takes practice. And the more we practice it, the better, the better we can get at it. And it is a lot like mindfulness in that we are not um, – rejecting or getting worked up about the status quo and saying, oh, this situation, I can't tolerate it. This is no good. It's Mm -hmm. pausing and just observing what's happening in the moment. And Mm -hmm. turning inward is an act of mindfulness, absolutely. And so I do think it is a skill, and I don't think it is something that all of us are are able to do out of the gate, Uh, but I think it is a skill that's worth cultivating. So I think it was – two years ago or something, I did a presentation at the International Conference of ADHD on um, uh, exercise. I talked about there's a physical exercise that's good for people with ADHD, but there's also cognitive exercise. And I talked about the notion of meditation and the ability to kind of notice your thoughts, drift away from your breath and bring it back. That's an exercise to practice catching your your attention, drift off and bring it back. Then we talked Mm -hmm. about uh, gratitude journaling, writing down things that you're grateful for because – at the end of the day, uh, problems abound, and we have a ten- like if, if you have a flat tire, that's a problem. You've got to deal with that right now in order to get to work. But if something good happens, you don't have to celebrate it right now, so we have a tendency to put that off. So the notion of spe- spending some time practicing and writing gratitude, I'm grateful, like biting into that peach this morning or the sunshine, as a means to shift your attitude because we want to shift from what, mm. where everything's going wrong in your life to what's going positive. Then I started talking about the shift of emotion, which is a difficult one, but, oh, my God, I loved it. Uh, before the last election in the United States when Trump and Biden were running because I would have clients that were struggling with emotional self-regulation. And I'd say, listen, Mm -hmm. if you're a Trump fan, I want you to go home and I want you to watch CNN news. And if you're a Biden fan, I want you to go watch Fox news. And it's a simulation Mm -hmm. where you're sitting there in an emotionally charged situation. Your idea is to begin to feel the emotion in your body and catch yourself and override that automatic cognition, kind of pause and kind of downright as a means of practicing. So, again, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing this, and as we're sitting there having this conversation, you can begin to see people with ADHD is that emotional urge to escape, and that notion is many don't realize it's an emotion. If you listen to your body, you can kind of feel that anxiety or that kind of pace in the cage, mm-hmm. and that's the trigger to stop and pause and kind of calm down to override that cognitive thing of wanting to run and maybe kind of self-reflect. So you can, everybody can understand yeah. why we're having this show 
this is really good for people with ADHD, but it's a challenge, and the idea is really bring some awareness to this. And even what I just described were exercises for you to begin to catch when you're in that physical state. Because I find a lot of times when people, particularly these days, are in that moment of boredom, it's very short-lived because they grab that cell phone, and it's an instant pacifier. So thoughts on what I just described? Yeah, no, I think you're well said, and I would agree with everything you said. And we can, you know, we know from research that um, people who have good mindfulness skills are less likely to be bored. Uh, they're more able to tolerate situations that are potentially boring. Um, and so, you know, just like your idea of, you know, listening to or watching CNN or Fox, depending on your political views. Similarly, you could imagine challenging yourself by just sitting in a very empty room, a bare room with nothing going on, and just observe those sensations of boredom as they start to develop and those urges to act that you spoke of and and practice um, regulating your emotions and being non-reactive and instead shift to this constructive internal reflection. You can use this as an opportunity to, you know, plan your day, plan your week, think about what matters to you. So absolutely, I think, you know, mindfulness is a great skill uh, to be applied for boredom. And in many, in many ways, being bored in the moment is the opposite of being mindful. Yeah, so I got to tell you, this is one of my funny stories. I was coaching this woman one time who was a writer, um, and she had a day off each week, and there would be – like when she had a day off the next day, invariably she'd stay up all night. She really had a lot of sleep problems, which I'm going to come back to. And I was like, you, the problem is you're, you're, you're home and you've got all these things for you to do. And I said, listen, I think we need to practice being bored. I said, I think you need to go to a park where there's like nothing there and just be by yourself to kind of practice this. And, and to do this, the idea was she was going to buy a, pay for the Uber ride to get there. And then pay for the Uber ride to get back before she went so she wouldn't take her phone, so she didn't have anything to kind of occupy herself. And again, the idea was, was to practice boredom. And oddly enough, she goes to the park, right? She sits on a bench, and within five minutes she sleeps. She wakes up when the Uber drive gets there like two hours later. I'm telling you mm. this story because I talk a lot about when I'm coaching people with ADHD, they struggle with sleep. And I, I've heard, I understand, is that when you put your head on the pillow, it should take about 15 minutes before you fall asleep. And I talk about, well, if you have ADHD, that's physically uncomfortable because your brain is it's, it's, it wants stimulation, and you'll leap up and start entertaining yourself. So it's common for me to – I'm coaching people, and they say, listen, you know, I'm having a hard time getting out of bed. I'm like, well, what were you entertaining yourself with last night? And they're like, what? Because the brain just doesn't like that boredom, and so they're not even recognizing it. So I spend a lot of time talking about sleep issues by – how can we get to bed and self-regulate, and how are we going to deal with the boredom so much as that when you're in that state, I work on people like, how can we find something that will capture attention enough, but not too much where it won't surrender itself to sleep? And so screens hmm. are not really the thing to do it, but like I've had a, a, some success, and by the way, these are, when I say success, if it happens for 20% of the people, that's a big number, so it depends on the person, but adult coloring hmm. books or doodling, mm. or one woman where she would mm. walk around the house with all the lights off, and she would have like, one, like a miner's light, and she would do chores where there was movement, like dishes and stuff, but it was completely dark. But the idea is, in these moments, I'm describing indirectly how we're trying to manage those boring moments to let our, our minds surrender themselves to sleep, or people with mm. ADHD to send them to the park to actually practice this and kind of embrace it so they're not kind of escaping. So I want to pause and kind of get yeah. your thoughts on some of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of great ideas packed in there and a lot to comment on. I just one thing I'll just pick up on is 
you know, I think when 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 you or I or you know when I when I speak about you know taking time to be in a boring situation and to be mindful, ultimately the goal is not to experience a protracted period of boredom. The goal is to transition out of boredom. So you can think here, uh, you know, the fancy term is a liminal space, and a liminal space is just a space of transition from one thing to another. So a stairwell or a hallway, for example, is a prototypical kind of liminal space. So a stairwell has value because it allows you to go from one floor to the other. That's its purpose. That's what it uh-huh. does for us. There's no point in lingering in a stairwell. Uh, the stairwell is something you move through. And similarly, I would say that boredom is a place, it's a liminal space we want to move through to the other side, right? We want to move through yep. it. But what happens is when it first starts to occur, people sometimes get so overwhelmed and then try to make the feeling go away, and it's like giving up before going through the portal, going through the journey, and then coming out on the other side, right? So boredom, wow. if you think, you know, like in our everyday life, Sometimes we're just on autopilot, right? We're go, 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 you know, wake up, alarm goes off, get in the shower, do this, do that. We don't even stop and think. And we're so busy that we're not going to feel bored because our mind is occupied, but we're Mm -hmm. not being self-determined. We're just going on autopilot. But like boredom is this kind of autopilot kill switch, right? Everything comes crashing to a halt, like that plan to action cycle stops. We become Mm -hmm. self-focused. And we become become aware of our inability to decide and act on our intentions. So then it's like, okay, now here I am. Like, now we can, again, ask those questions. Who am I? What do I care about? What do I want to do? And so it allows us to then launch back into the world in a more self-determined way rather than in this kind of mindless autopilot way. So, you know, seek out opportunities, but don't seek... Well, the goal here isn't to like linger or to have a protracted boredom experience. Think of it as a portal to a better place. So I, this is this is why everybody I got the best deal on the, on the planet. I've been doing this forever. It's times like this where I learn a ton. So it's a transitional space to transition maybe from external to internal self-reflection and manage and not resist it, which is a much better target than what I was thinking about before because now it's got purpose. And I, what I like about this is now we have a little bit of a target for people to know what that yeah. transition would be like. So that's a yeah. – tell you what, let's go to break. I can, I can process this a little bit, and that's coming on. We'll come back and continue the conversation. Everyone, clearly you got to go buy the book because this guy's brilliant. It's Out of My Skull, The Psychology of Boredom. Go check it out. You can get it on Amazon. Our secret word tonight is boredom, and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. 
Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? <laughs> Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. This is a great conversation with Dr. Eastwood. Um, we're talking about, uh, uh, like, really the intersection of, of emotions and cognition. We're talking about boredom, but there's so much executive function that's in here is that, number one, we're in that bored state emotionally. This is the emotional self-regulation. We want to escape out of it when we don't have that self-restraint. I like the idea of using this as a target to move internally. Also, many people, when you're dealing with a topic that might be boring, you see there's an emotional escape to get out of that as well. We did another show with Dr. Eastwood, um, I think it was two years ago, um, about cognition and how thinking is more challenging for people with ADHD and they have that tendency to kind of escape. And so one of the big executive functions is self-awareness, which is what this show is really all about in having that self-awareness to say, here's the targets. Begin to notice your feeling in the body. You could do the exercise that I talked about before so that you can catch your emotion, kind of downregulate, to actually notice boredom and use it as a portal to transition from boredom maybe to more internally focused and take that advantage of it to have some intention. But really at the end of the day, a lot of this is coming back to ADHD front and central because it takes a level of self-regulation to able to manage boredom in a more positive way. Am I, am I, am I articulating this correctly? From your perspective, yeah, absolutely, and I'm and I'm glad you're bringing this up because you know we're you know we've been kind of exploring you know the good and the bad of boredom and how we might respond to boredom, and I think it's important to really acknowledge how challenging these self-regulation yes. moves are for people uh, with ADHD, and I, and I, I think it would be a shame to kind of to to, to not acknowledge that and to talk about yep. that, right? So we know that boredom. Uh, is more common for people with ADHD. We know, for example, that stimulant medication, which which might impact ADHD symptomatology, also decreases boredom. Um, we know that uh, if you take people without ADHD and make them bored, they start to behave a little bit like people with ADHD in terms of becoming more uh, likely to take risks in, in mm-hmm. kind of uh, laboratory uh, situations where they have like uh, gambling games. So one of the things that I sometimes think about or say is, you know, I say to people, okay, imagine, can you think of a time in your life when you were like just really crushed by boredom, you know, like where it was really debilitating for you and really oppressive, like that might give you a little window into what it's like to have ADHD. You know, so yep. boredom is something that people who don't have ADHD can relate to, and it might give them a little more sympathy or a little more insight into exactly what it's like. And I, I would hate for us, for you know, for people to come away from this conversation uh, without hearing us really affirm how challenging some of these uh, kinds of yep. self-regulation are. And actually, that that transitions into a topic that I wanted to kind of bring you in on. And the at the end of the day. Um, there's a there's a Netflix special called The Social Dilemma, 
And it's a fascinating mm-hmm. documentary that I encourage people to, to watch because they basically have the people that are designing technology. And I've done a lot of shows on this that they've cracked the code. Like corporate America, politicians and news have cracked the code on your more primitive brain, and they're designing Facebook um, YouTube and all these things to speak to your primitive brain. So in that moment of slight boredom, they know what's exciting to you, and they've kind of taken control of your emotions. I know when the yeah. pandemic hit, everybody was sent home, and thinking was more difficult for a lot of executive function reasons. So people were escaping. I never, ever, in, in the 13 years of coaching before that, I might have dealt with one, two addictive situations where I'm having to deal with it. When the pandemic hit, I mean, it was, I mean, I literally, like, I'd say probably 20 because everybody went home and they were bored to a certain extent and they were more prone to get onto these things that are addictive that make your brain feel good and they don't allow your brain to be bored. I've literally had people on some of my YouTube things are only like four and five minutes, like, the, oh my God, I can't even sit through four minutes of a video. Because when I get bored, yeah. I kind of escape. This is a big challenge because, as I say, people with ADHD are actually prey. They're more susceptible to this. Thoughts Absolutely, on this? yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's uh, an author. Uh, his name is uh, James Williams, and he wrote a book called Stand Out of Our Light. And uh, uh, he used to work in the tech industry and then sort of became concerned about some of the uh, you know, the practices and, and, and what tech was doing. and one of the, the points that he makes is that the technology, it, it grabs our attention and thwarts our intentions, right? So ultimately, at the end of the day, by grabbing, by holding on to, by manipulating our attention, it robs us again of that ability to be self-determined. Because now mm-hmm. we're not able to kind of really be as aware of our desires and to effectively act on those desires. And these are the kinds of things that are so challenging for folks with ADHD to begin with. And this is just making the whole situation much more challenging. And, you know, I think that the science, you know, as a, as a cognitive scientist, as a psychologist, um, we have to do much better at getting to the critical studies to understand some of this stuff. You know, a lot of what I've talked about today is me sort of speculating or elaborating on existing research to try to say, well, this is my best guess about how it would be in an applied setting. But we don't have all the, the critical research we need to really understand, uh, you know, what's happening with technology and, um, you know, ways to deal more effectively with the challenges that we face. And, and I, I, wanna, I just want to – I don't want to be a doomsday type person, but I do want people to actually pause and have some self-awareness. Is, and, again, this is, this is my opinion. I'm not sure it's fact, but and there's an incentive right now for you to, to capture your attention, whether it's the news media, the politicians, or corporate America – uh, or I like to use YouTube, they've got intelligent computers pointed at your brain because it serves them to serve. The more they keep you on it, the more ads they see, it does better for it. So there's an economic incentive for them to steal your attention from you, and it's making more and more for you difficult for you to hold on to your intentions. And I don't mm-hmm. know a way around this as of yet other than self-awareness in order to self-regulate, to manage your environment really, really intentionally. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Because you can you can put buzzers and alarms all day long, but it's very satisfying when they're stealing your attention. It's really hard to kind of override that. Am I, am yeah. I exaggerating that from your perspective? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I think what you're saying makes good sense. And I don't think, you know, we want to be careful not to be alarmist. And, you know, people often ask me, well, is boredom getting worse? Are people more bored now than they were before? And, you know, we just we don't have the data to speak to that. There's one relatively recent study coming out suggesting people uh, may be more bored now than than. And like this was, I think, a study over approximately a six or eight year period. But. The other idea might be to say, well, maybe we're not more bored now than we were before. Maybe we're more uh, afraid of boredom or more intolerant of boredom than we were in the past. And that's another way to think about it as well. And we certainly can't say for sure if technology is making us more prone to boredom. But I think there are some reasons to suspect that the way we are engaging with technology uh, you know, possibly could be making things worse. But again, you know, the, the scientists have to do those critical studies yep. to really dig deep and understand this. It's interesting because I'm having a little bit of an aha moment. Um, I was a competitive swimmer growing up, and I remember, like, being 11 and going to swim meets, and my father sitting through, like, 20 heats of the 500 feet. I mean, it's like all day. And swimming is an individual mm-hmm. sport, but it's kind of social. But you're there at the pool all day. And as we're having this conversation, I'm reflecting back on those times. Sometimes we'd be playing cards, but often I would go off into another room and I would just lay there. And it's funny because I'm really identifying. I would transition from boredom into self-reflection in those points of time. And I can really kind of feel some of that stuff, whereas now I don't know if I have that duration where I have to force. I can always – it's easier mm. for me not to go to the other side and go find something to occupy my mind right now. So anyway, I don't know. That's just – I'm just having yeah. that moment because I remember back in those days just having to do that because there was no other way to satisfy yeah. myself yeah. quickly. So I got there where now I don't make that transition. I'm seeking that stimulation. So, wow. Exactly. I think, right. I think that would be the idea, right, that because yep. technology is ever-present now – we don't have to sit with those moments and, and find our way through yep. to the other side. Instead, we just quickly put on Netflix or play a game of Candy Crush or something, whatever. Yep. Uh, and, and, and so we're not developing that skill yep. at what Inmerdino Yang referred to as that constructive internal reflection. Yep. It's like a, a skill set we're not fostering. Wow. We could do a whole show on that, but we don't have the time for it. So, as we begin to close this out, any last comments on this before we call it a day? Well, I would say, you know, uh, just be, be gentle with yourself. You know, boredom is challenging, uh, but all feelings are there to give us important information. We just have to learn how to hear the message and then to respond wisely. And at its base, the message of boredom, I would argue, is reclaim your self-determination and yeah there's times for entertainment and go for that sorry go ahead yeah no what, what i like about what you've done the, the thing that's the biggest thing is is be, before we were everybody was on autopilot they're oblivious now we're having the conversation but now there's a target right i need to mm. transition to self-reflection before, like i don't know where to go other than that maybe i kind of got there but the idea is if yeah. you're in that transition and that's actually something you could practice periodically like hey i'm going to go off on my own sit down and just kind of transition so that you know where you, I, to me i've learned there's a huge correlation between uh, clarity and motivation there's a huge correlation yeah. between uncertainty and avoidance and so with this 
again, it's a gift to me today. Like we actually have clarity, I have a target. I know what I'm trying to do when I, in those moments, and I can actually practice that. So thank you so much for that tip. Really appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking with you. This has been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of plum time. Everybody, you got to go buy his book. There's no question about that. It's on Amazon. Out of My Skull, The Psychology of Boredom. Everybody, our secret word tonight is boredom. And so with that, thanks for joining the show. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.